Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Coach John was very welcoming. And then um, when we got there, uh, when I got to Oklahoma State, I saw his competitiveness come through. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If they gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, it's episode 132, if you can believe it. Our guest today is Mark Munoz. He was an NCAA champ for Oklahoma State in the late 90s. Coached at Oklahoma State for a while and then went on to be a UFC fighter, one of the great UFC coaches in the game. At one point, he was ranked as high as third in the world in the UFC. Now he's retired and has dedicated his time to coaching. Awesome conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to City Wrestling Guy. That's at City Wrestle on Twitter, representing Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you for tuning in, my friend. Folks, this episode is brought to you by the Beat the Streets Chicago Virtual Gala takes place on Saturday, June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m. Our in-person gala got canceled, which is a huge fundraiser for us. And so we're doing everything we can to raise money for Be The Street Chicago through this virtual gala. Please, please, please register and attend this thing. It's free to attend. And to do so, go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com and click on the Beat The Streets tile on the homepage. You can't miss it. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Mark Munoz. So, Mark Munoz, we are here with you, my friend, calling in from California. Crazy times right now, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but man, you have had an incredible career of wrestling, both in the college level and then um, on the junior freestyle circuit and then the UFC and then the training people. But let's go back with the origin story, man. I, I've heard through the grapevine that you got involved with wrestling because someone stole your Jordans. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or <laughs> fact, but... Let's take it back that far, man. How, what's that story, and how did it all weave into wrestling? Yeah, so in the eighth grade, I um, in the eighth grade, I asked asked Santa for some J's, <laughs> and uh, and on Christmas Day, I opened up some Jordans. I was like, I couldn't believe it, you know. And so I wore them, and and I just was like, wow, I can't, I can't believe I got some J's. So, and let me inter- so then, sorry, uh, interrupt you real quick. Did you grow up in a, a wealthy family, a, a poor family? What part of town were you in? Was it a big deal to get the J's? Yeah, it was a really big deal. You know, and so, m- you know, we're we're middle-class family, hardworking middle-class family. My, my parents were immigrants coming from uh, the Philippines. Um, my parents both worked, and so my, my sister and I were latchkey kids. 
Um, and so, you know, they, they provided for us, they fought for us. They, they, um, you know, they worked pretty much to, to give us the life that they never had basically. So, um, so we're, we're basically a uh, middle-class family in Vallejo, California, um, in the San Francisco Bay area by like Richmond and, uh, Richmond and, uh, just the Bay Area, Richmond, Oakland, San Francisco. It's just like the gateway of the Bay Area, uh, Vallejo is. So, um, so yes, yeah, that's, that's where I grew up. And, um, my parents actually moved from, well, my dad was in the Navy, uh, met my mom in San Francisco, and then they decided to move to Vallejo with, um, with my um my mom's family also moved to Vallejo so we had family there so we decided to um relocate our family to Vallejo so I actually was born in Japan um on a naval base U.S. naval base my dad served in the U.S. Navy and then um when I was two years old they decided to move to Vallejo so uh that's that's where I'm from is Vallejo California and so yeah that's the background so you get the yep. you get the Jordans Christmas morning. What happens next? Yeah, so eighteen, uh, thirteen years old. Uh, I get, I get, uh, I get a pair of Jays, and I, um, and I wore them. And, and the first, the first day back to school, um, walking down a hallway, and someone to the right of me says, "Hey, yo, break yourself off in them Jays." And I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so I got. I was getting verbally bullied for my shoes, you know, and so the you know, and, and that didn't make me feel good. And so, you know, verbal bullying is defined as anything that comes out of your mouth that's a threat and an insult that hurts somebody's feelings, right? So, um so I just walked away from that and, you know, just didn't pay any mind to it. And then after school we had open gym and I like to and I like to play and I like to play basketball. And so I stayed and I played hoop um, for about two hours. And, you know, of course I took off my J's because I didn't want them to get scuffed or dirty. So I wanted to keep them nice and fresh, you know, so I put them underneath the bleachers in my backpack. And, um, you know, and then when I walked home, I put them back on. Well, as I walked back home, that's when, uh, that's when I got uh, physically bullied for my, for my J's. So, um, so as I was walking, I got, um, held down and beat up by five guys that, um, you know, that were, you know, wanting, wanted my shoes. So, um, as I was walking, I heard people running behind me. And, and as I look back, they're already probably about 10 feet away from me at full speed. And so I took two steps and boom, they shoelace tackled me and held me down and, um, each person on each limb of my body. And then as I try to push my way up, I got kicked in the face. And so, um, when I woke up, I was bloodied, bruised, (laughs) battered, um, didn't have shoes on my feet and I walked home barefoot and ashamed. So, um, that's what happened to me. And so I faked being sick for, for about three days. Um, and, uh, well, just just to preface that, there's there's over over 160,000 students every day that get bullied in the United States of America, um, and and uh, that's an astronomical number. So I I actually 
was one of those 160,000 kids. I I never thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I never thought in a million years I'd ever get bullied, ever get bullied. And and I, I would watch people get bullied in in the in the quad at school, or like um, I seen some people get you know um, physically bullied for you know just whatever. And I was like, <laughs> that's never going to happen to me. And then when it happened to me, it just totally just rocked my world. So I just like. Oh my gosh, man! This is this turned my world upside down. So, did you know the so guys? When that happened, uh, no, I didn't <clears throat> at the time. I didn't know the guys at the time. They're they're much older than me. That is terrifying oh. that you would just get mugged <clears throat> and jumped like that. I mean, so you're you're physically yeah. hurting, but that heals quickly. I mean, did you tell your parents what happened yeah. when you walked home, or did you try to hide it? No, no, no. So when I got home, my parents were working, and so and so when I got home, uh, I was quickly trying to clean up my face and you know um and then when my parents got home my dad just was like mark what happened and i and i was ashamed and i didn't want him to worry and i go uh you dad i, I was playing in the backyard with my friends and fell down and fell on my face and scraped the side of my face you know and so uh i was i was ashamed to tell him you know and so uh, and then I don't want him to worry either, you know, and so I didn't want it to turn into this big, big fiasco, you know, so, so I decided to keep it, keep it to myself, you know, and so I decided to be silent about it, you know, not tell anybody and just hide it within my, within my soul and my heart and, and not let anybody know, you know, and so, you know, there's, there's, I was actually participating in a problem because silence is participation, right? And so, I I allowed it to kind of like fester within my heart and mind, and uh, you know that that wasn't a good thing, you know. And so and so I I I I faked it, and I didn't want to tell my parents about it. And, and my I think my parents, my dad thought it was kind of weird, but he's like, "Mark, are you stupid? He's like, don't do that," you know. Like, yeah, I was like, "Yeah, all right, dad," you know. And so. Um, I don't think he, he thought of anything at that point, but, um, later on, as I got older, I actually told him about it. So, but, uh, but yeah, so when I got home, I cleaned my face and I, I faked being sick for three days. Finally, my dad said, you're not sick, go back to school. And, and so when I went back to school, it was just, it was, it was crazy because, you know, I, I was, I was afraid I didn't want to go, you know? And so, um, I was walking around with my head down, not wanting to make eye contact to anybody. And, you know, I would go to a classroom during during lunch and, and stay there and do my homework and not socialize with people because I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want anybody to know what happened to me, you know. And so I try to keep to myself. Finally, one day, a friend of mine comes up to me and says, <clears throat> hey, yo, Munoz, man, where are your jays at, dude? I'm like... I didn't feel like wearing them today, man. And so he just kept asking about them. And then finally he was just like, man, dude, if I had some J's, man, I'd, I'd be like sporting them every day. I'd be telling everybody, hey, man, yo, check check, check me out. My J's are so dope, you know. And so he was just like saying all that stuff to me. Finally, I just, I just erupted. I was having these like frustrating and angry feelings within my chest. And finally it got so overwhelming that I exploded like a volcano. I was just like, Hey, I didn't feel like one of my jays today, man. Chill out, right? And I clenched my fist and I looked at him, and and 
and he was a lot shorter than me. He was a Filipino guy. He was a lot shorter than me. He goes, puts his hands up in the air. He goes, hey, man, calm down, dude. Just chill out. All I want to know where your J's were at, dude, chill. And I go, man, he, I, and I go, man, just, man, chill, bro. Like, and then, and I told him the story. And uh, then his face dropped. And he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And uh, And then he turns away. And says, uh, "Hey man, you need to learn how to wrestle." I'm like, "Wrestle? No, man. You guys wear tight leotards and touch each other in funny places, man. I'm cool, man. I'm gonna keep playing football and basketball. That's what I do, right?" And he goes, "What? Tight leotard? You think that's funny?" I go, "No, nah, man. That's just what you do, bro." And then uh, he goes, "I bet you I take you down in ten seconds." I said, "Yeah, right, dude. You're barely a you're barely a hundred pounds soaking wet. I'm a hundred and sixty pounds, right?" There's no way you can take me down, right? And so I break down in my stance like I, like I knew how to get in a wrestling stance, right? And he shoots in, picks me up in a double leg, and slams me on my back, and and uh, I've been wearing it singlet ever since. Let's right? go, baby. Let's go. So, <laughs> Dude, so you, what was, was like, your stance man, like, man? Do you have like the spirit fingers going and all that shit? Yeah, I do, yeah. That's that's what I do when I when I make my presentation. I I do have the spirit fingers going, you know, because I'm like, yeah, what's up, homie? <laughs> And I'm like putting my hand in his, in his face. I'm like, yeah, what's up, homie? What you got? You know? And dude, he just shot in, picked me up and slammed me on my back. And I was just like <coughs> coughing because it took the air out of me, you know? So I was just like, whoa, if wrestling gives me superpowers like that, I want it. Right. And so, and so I decided to wrestle ever since then, man. And, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, my, my first day wrestling practice, man, I, I, uh, I didn't like it, <laughs> you know, because I was getting double legged and like cross face, you know, because, well, before that, we were learning the double leg, obviously, you know, we were learning the inside tie, mm-hmm. um, collar tie, snap the head to a double leg, take them down, take the back, you know, and so, and then run a half, right? That was my first day of practice. <clears throat> and then uh, the, the, the coach goes, all right, guys, time to go live. And I'm like, what? I am alive. What does that mean? You know, so I didn't know what that meant. So I was like, wait, what? What does that mean? You know, so he goes, no, we're going to go 100% in the position that we that he showed. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I got it. So so I was just getting double-legged, wrecked, and cross-faced and half to my back. And I got bloody nose. And, and I bit my lip. And my lip started bleeding. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to wrestle anymore. And so... I went back home and I told my dad, well, my dad goes, nope, you're going to finish what you start and uh, you're not quitting. I'm like, dad, you don't understand. He goes, nope, no, no exception, not quitting. So so I was like, oh man. So I stuck stuck it out and I'm thankful that my dad did that because because he had much wisdom and knowledge. Um, And so when I stuck it out, by the end of my senior year, I was a two-time state champion, a high school national champ, um, and I take second at the junior worlds, like you said, um, and I get a full ride scholarship to Oklahoma State University. So, how did you? Thank- Sorry, go ahead. I so I was like, I'm thankful that my dad did that, you know. Oh, I mean, so that that was, that was just fast forwarding to to the end of my high school career, you know. How did you? And I love that your dad. I love that old school discipline where it's like, 
hey, I'm not going to force you to do something, but if you start it, you got to finish it. So I, I love that. Um, yep. But how did, okay, so you start in eighth grade. How did you advance so quickly? And I got to say, it seems like a California theme. I know so many Californians that yeah. didn't even start until yeah. high school and are really good. But after you started, yeah. were you going 12 months a year? Were you working out two times a day? Like, what do you, what do you attribute your ability to advance so quickly? Yeah, so I had, thank goodness I had, you know, good coaches, you know, so I, um, when I started in the eighth grade, I wasn't really supposed to be in the wrestling room because, um, ninth grade was the only time that you can actually wrestle with the high school team. So I had ninth graders as, as friends. And so we had to travel from this, uh, junior high, which called, uh, Solano junior high. And we had to travel to Vallejo senior high school, um, and so we, we, uh, and so I was friends with them and so they were already training and, and I was just getting beat up every day. Right. And so that's one thing that's, that's one aspect of me getting better is my friends already had wrestling experience and I, I was just getting beat up every day, you know, and then they were just showing me different things. And one thing that I grew up, I grew up in an area where you had to know how to fight, you know? And so you know, you had that fighting mentality already. Like if somebody hits you, you're going to try to get them back like three or four or five times, you know, um, that's the mentality I had. So like when somebody took me down, I was like, man, you know, so yeah. somebody scored on me. I wanted to get it back like two or three times more than that, what they did to me. You know what I'm saying? So I had that mentality already because I grew up in that environment. Right. You, you know, it's like, like that saying is, is your product of your environment. So I, that's why I grew up around, you know? And so I was very competitive, very uh, aggressive. And that's, that's how I was. And that's how I was um, kind of programmed, you know? And so, and so um, in the eighth grade, when I got beat up that first, that first day, I was like, man, I don't want to do this. And I stick stuck with it. And, um, and then my buddies kept asking, Munoz, you're going to come? You're going to come and come? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll be there. You know, and so we would have to catch a ride and drive over there and and um, and uh, go to practice. And so by the end, actually by the middle of my eighth grade year, um, as I went every day and started to get better, I, I you know, I, I actually found out that, um, that, the seniors, the seniors were actually, they made, they made masters and they made it to state and stuff. And so I was like, man, I want to train with those guys, you know? And so, um, I want to feel how, how they feel, what, what the difference is, you know? And so then that was a whole nother level and I I got beat up by them, but by the end of the year, I was going with them every day, you know? And so, um, I just got better just getting my butt kicked every day and not, and not accepting it, you know, and just, and just gritting and bearing it and finding out what I'm doing wrong. And thank goodness the coach actually, um, he had a culture and a, and a, an environment where if you got scored on something, you got to ask questions so you don't get scored on it anymore, you know, mm-hmm. or if you didn't score on something, like you got to find out what you did wrong to be able to, you know, score in that position again, because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result, you're, you're crazy insane. Right. So he, he fostered that, 
that um that mentality within me you know and so um so i was just like okay you know and so i i was just asking questions and you know i'm in this position so that's how i got so good so fast and and then i did freestyle too so in the eighth grade i did school schoolboy state and i took third at schoolboy state um uh in greco all i had was a head and arm and I was just throwing the head and arm, just reckless, reckless <laughs> abandonment, just throwing the head and arm and getting it, you know. And so someone would get an underhook because in Greco, people just want to get an underhook all the time. So I was just like, sweet. So I would just like throw their head off their shoulders as I like turned and, and I got a head and arm. And I made a Greco world team um, uh, just with a head and arm. So um, anyways, that's that's how I... Um, got good so fast because I did, I had that mentality, uh, one and two, I wrestled freestyle and Greco at the end. And I had a I had a great coach. His name was Andy Foley. Um, he, you know, reffed and had a club that, um, that had most of every, everybody, like every high school actually went to this club, called Vallejo Pal, Vallejo Police Activities League. And we, uh, we kind of convened if you're from a different high school, it's all good. We just, we just wrestled with each other the whole time. And so I was able to see like all the best wrestlers within Vallejo, um, come together. And I was just learning. I just learned, learned, learned. Um, and then my, my freshman year, I made varsity, right. And so I was varsity the whole, my whole four years. And, and then, um, Got my butt kicked a little bit, but I mean, I did pretty good my my uh, my freshman year, and then my sophomore year. That's when it all clicked for me. Um, that's when I made that Greco World Team, and you know, I wrestled um, in Russia. Um, what at, as at a the, sophomore? At, at, as a sophomore, yeah, I made Cadet Worlds. Wow, so, uh, what a turnaround! I mean, you think about. <laughs> Five minutes after you got jumped and had your shoes stolen, that had to be the lowest moment, definitely of your life at that time, maybe of your life ever. I mean, how embarrassed yeah. your parents spent all that money on the shoes and you don't have it. And it's like, that's just the lowest yeah. point for a man to be in. But you got to imagine that's what propelled you to have this career in wrestling because maybe you wouldn't have challenged your buddy to that to that takedown contest, you know, if that yeah. wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So I just... For sure. For it's sure. crazy how these situations where at the time you think it's the worst thing p- possible. There's zero, no way anything will come good of this. But it just yeah. life has a way of working itself out like that. It does. It does. And you know, for me, it just at that time, like you said, at that time, you know, I, I was just I was so down on myself. But thank goodness I had great friends that actually invited me out to do things, and I accepted it. You know, and so. Always say that your life experiences shape and mold you into who you are and who you become, but your life choices do it even more so, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I chose to get into wrestling and and um, chose to stick with it, you know. And so now wrestling changed my life forever, you know. What I mean, because you know that 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 time where in that in the wake of me getting bullied and jumped from my shoes, I I, I I just wanted to be a hermit, you know, not and not deal with it and like sweep it underneath the rug. But thank goodness my 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 friends and my community and you know they 
rallied around me and just said, Hey, you know, you need to get out of this funk, you know? And so, um, so yeah, but I didn't tell anybody what happened to me, but they were just super encouraging and, and, uh, welcoming out, welcoming me out to things, you know? And so that's how I got out of it really, you know? And, and when I, when I give my anti-bullying campaign speeches, I talk about how, if you're silent, you're actually participating in the problem, right? Um, because you're not letting anybody, uh, anybody know what's happening to you, you know? And so, um, so there's this pledge that we give at the end of every, um, anti-bullying campaign seminar. And it says, um, no longer will I be silent if I need help. Silence is participation. I refuse to participate in the problem. If uh, we are all different, we all we all deserve respect. If you need help, come to me. If I think you need help, I'm getting involved. I got your back. So that's the pledge that we make to each other after my anti-bullying campaign seminars is, you know, we're going to be there for each other and we're going to help each other out and make each other stronger, you know. So, um, so yeah, so for me, during that time, I was just like, man, this is, this this is stupid, you know. I, I why why does why did this happen to me? And I was just wallowing in my sorrow, and and uh, you know I had to quickly had to you know make a decision, you know, based upon my friend coming to me because I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to hide. I didn't mm-hmm. want to. I was so ashamed, you know. And so thank goodness my parents forced me to school, and thank goodness my friend came up to me. And and if it weren't though for those events that happened in my life. I wouldn't be known as the Filipino wrecking machine right now. You know, right. <laughs> I wouldn't be, wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't have been a UFC fighter. I wouldn't have graduated with Oklahoma, at Oklahoma state. You know, I wouldn't have, um, you know, have gotten my master's at Sac state. I wouldn't have studied, you know, uh, sports psychology. I wouldn't have been a coach. I wouldn't have been any of that. I wouldn't have been who I am today if that didn't happen in my life. Right. And so, you I didn't know, realize you were into sports psychology. Did were you into this back when you were wrestling at Oki State, or is this something you've learned well after the fact? No. So when I was at Oklahoma State, I graduated, coached there for three years, and then I got a job offer at UC Davis, where Lenny Zaleski was the head coach. And um, never thought I'd ever coach alongside a Hawkeye, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but he uh, he asked me, and and that was. 20 miles away from my hometown i was like man i get to go back to california heck yeah man so um and get paid for what i love to do shoot for sure so i i go back there move my family i had a wife and um three kids one on the way and so um head back to california and and i met this guy by the name of uriah faber you know let's so go uriah, let's go yeah yeah uriah wrestled for uc davis and and he just graduated when I got there, and so, um, so I was just I was still trying out for a um, for an Olympic team in 2000. Um, no, sorry, 2004, and um, and I was like, you know, trying to train everywhere I could, and and I brought Uriah along with me to the Olympic Training Center to like different places, and and um, you know we, you know, I actually qualified for the trials, and and um, and uh, Uriah was like getting into like MMA and wrestling at the same time. And, you know, he was also getting his graduate degree. And so 
he was like, Hey Munoz, man, you need to, you need to start training with me in jujitsu and Muay Thai and MMA. I go, man, nah, dude, dude, I'm coaching, teaching, getting my masters, man. There's, I, I don't have any time. And, and he, um, he's like, well, can you corner me in my first five fights? I'm like, yeah, for sure. So actually my first fight and I was like cornered him and I ended up cornering five fights after that. And, and I was like, dude, this is sweet. And so I got into it. He actually, um, got me into it and, uh, and then, um, I ended up sparring with Randy Couture and Tito Ortiz and Rampage Jackson and Frank Trigg and Scott Smith and James Irwin, like the who's who of the UFC at the time. And, and then, um, yeah, I sent my wife down and I was getting my master's at the same time and, uh, and, uh, teaching coaching at UC Davis. And, and I asked my wife, I said, Hey, uh, what do you think about me getting into MMA and fighting in the cage? She's like, no, I don't want you doing that. And I go, well, I need you to support me because I think this is what I, I, I want to do right now. And she goes, well, all right. And so I end up, uh, I end up, uh, training started, started to train. And then, um, and then about a year, 11 months later, I was in the, U in the UFC. Um, it was just like a whirlwind of events to just happened. And I was like winning, winning by like, knockouts and and everything and so the ufc picked me up well it was a wc at first right. wc picked me up. and then um i fought two times in the wc and then the wc folded and then i got into the ufc so um so that's that what was my run. mma dude yeah was yeah. faber just wrecking people back then in the early days yeah dude like he he uh i mean he was training and he was training. He was training at different gyms. So to get his jujitsu, he was training with Cassio Warneck, and then to get his boxing, he was training with at like a like a boxing gym in Sacramento somewhere. And then to get his Muay Thai, he was getting his Muay Thai from different people. So he was he was going around and then getting his wrestling at UC Davis when he would wrestle. So everything would just be like um, uh, divided and not like together. And then uh, when he fought. It was MMA, so he had to put it all together, you know. So <laughs> uh, it was crazy. And then he's like, "Dude, I just won five hundred bucks, and I knocked the guy on twenty seconds, you know." And and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, for real? He goes, "Yeah." And then he goes, he comes back, dude. I just won a thousand bucks, you know, for like a minute and a half, you know. So he's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, dude, that sounds legit, you know. And so and so I was like, you know, I was like. I was a broke, broke coach at the time, you know, and, and I have a wife and three kids, one on the way. I'm like, man, I need money, man. You know? And so, you know, I was like, dude, all right, I'll start training and I'll start doing this stuff. And then finally, you know, it was like uh, a year later I was in the UFC and, and about to make some good money, you know? So, and I'm no, I know I'm going fast, you know, I'm, Fast we'll go back to Okie State. That's okay. Right, we'll go back to it. Okay. I, I want to ask, um, you know, what I, first of all, Uriah Faber was my absolute favorite fighter for the longest time. I always <laughs> want, before I lived in California, I always wanted to live in California, and I thought he had the coolest nickname yeah. ever. And my yeah. girlfriend yeah. actually lived in Carmichael, California. And uh, do you know that area? My, this oh, is, yeah, dude. This is an ex-girlfriend from a long time ago, and I was... Uh, you're flying out to see her and this is kind of my impetus for my first 
stint in California, but we were at a, yeah. a pizza place. God, I wish I could remember the chain. It was like a chain pizza place, kind of like a nice uh, place in near Sacramento. We walk in and Uriah Faber was there. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God. And her mom and dad had no idea. Yeah. And like the, back in the day, and you'll get this, talking about UFC was like talking about porn for a while. Like no one even knew what the, yeah. it was like so yeah. underground. It was, it was on the level of yeah. like porn. I swear to God, people don't believe yeah. me, but it was weird. And yeah. Yeah. her parents, her dad was like a news broadcaster. He's like, wait, who is that? I'm like, oh, he's like this fighter guy. And I didn't know this, but the dad went up to go to the bathroom and he comes back over with Uriah Faber and he get, they get a pic, we get a picture together. And I thought it was like just that's the coolest cool. thing. And that's awesome. It was awesome, dude. And like, come to find out now, he was there with like a group of like fifteen of like the team alpha male guys. You probably were there for all I know. Um, yeah, I was probably there. I was probably there. But dude, to think back that he was, he had the vision, and you and you guys together had the vision. But I mean, now he's got team alpha male, and it's a massive gym, and he owns a whole block. It's like I just love people who, yeah, put their shit out there and yeah. make it happen, even when probably no one believed that could happen i mean and now you guys both have have you know careers from it yeah i can probably get you a a interview with him too with uriah i would love that man i would love that yeah for sure but yeah i mean he he uh dude i'm i'm so thankful he's like a brother from another mother to me man i got so much love respect for him dude he's uh he's my guy man for sure awesome man he he just seems like a cool cat too. I mean, I don't know him, but I've listened to him yeah. on podcasts, and you know, uh, just you know, I was just the biggest fan of him. I used to call myself. Yeah. I was from an area called the Quad Cities, so he was the California yeah. kid. I used to call myself the Quad City kid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. awesome. because that's of Uriah awesome. Faber, man, and I still got the picture. That's awesome. um, yeah, that's cool. And so cool. we jumped ahead a little bit, uh, and, there's, and there's two stories I, I want to hit on. Um, Yep. One is, one is uh, obviously Oklahoma State. But while we're on it, so you had a, you were a successful UFC fighter, you know, one of the big name guys, and then you get hurt and you're out of the sport for a year, and you gained a bunch of weight. And I've heard you say that you went into a little bit of a slump. So yeah, talk yeah, talk us through that because I think there's a lot of people now who are scared and who are in a slump because they're out of their routine. Um, so talk us yeah, through yeah, yeah. How, how did that happen. Why'd you gain the weight? What were you feeling? How'd you get back on track? So, um, I was, um, I was on a tear and I was, you know, doing, doing really well. And there's, this was during a time where, um, I was, uh, teaching at my gym, coaching at my gym, running rain training center and cornering all these guys while trying to be an elite mixed martial artist myself, you know? And so, um, and so my fighting was actually subsidizing the gym, you know, because Mm. my partner actually got me into, I fell into, I fell into owning a gym. Like I didn't want to own a gym, but I kind of fell into it because, um, a good friend of mine, Andre Julian, and uh, Mike Diamond had asked if I could be a part of the gym. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of the gym. You know, let me know what you need. And they're like, no, you don't understand. We want you to we want you to be part owner. I'm like, well, 
I have no money, <laughs> you know, and they're like, no, 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 sweat equity. We want you to just be, you know, one of the faces of the gym. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got into it that way. And, and um, you know, once, once everything started going and then 2008, 2009 came and that's when the financial crisis hit, my partner Andre said, you know, you got to be the outright owner because I got to attend to my other businesses, you know? And so, and so that's when I started getting into it. And then fast forward to 2010, um, I, I accept the fight with Chris Weidman, which was, a which was, a um, uh, a short, short notice fight because I had to, I had to get ready for that in like, in like, uh, six weeks. Um, and so, I was already big, dude. I was like, I, you know, I was already like two, I think I was like 220 and I had to make 185. So I had to lose 35 pounds to make weight for that. Right. And so, and so I fought and I barely made weight. You know, I, I struggled to make that weight, barely made weight. And then, um, I get knocked out by Chris Weidman. Well, as I was, as I was training, I noticed that I had to, you know, my foot was hurting. And so I was like taping up my foot all the time and just making sure I was able to spar. Well, come to find out after I, after I fought Chris Weidman, um, my foot was broken. I, I broke my fifth metatarsal, which is like my pinky toe. <clears throat> so on my right foot. And so I had a hard time pushing off of it. And so if you watch the fight, I was actually, like almost about to land my right hand before he landed at elbow, you know? And so when he landed at elbow, it totally knocked me out. And then, um, come to find out my foot was broken, had a really bad concussion. And so, um, that's how the doctor, the doctor said, this is going to be about it. You're going to be about a year out before you fight again. I'm like, what? You know? And so with all the stress mounting on top of me with, you know, the gym, and trying to support a family with my wife and kids. And, um, you know, I just, I felt this tremendous amount of like anxiety and just come upon me. I was like, I have to fight because if I don't fight, I won't be able to pay my bills, you know? So I was like the real life Cinderella man, you know? So it was like, golly. And so during that time it was like, you know, the only thing I can do was really, you know, just chill and and then i i resort to food you know and so i'm not i don't drink alcohol i'm not i'm not into drugs at all and so um i like comfort foods man you know so filipino food i went to and and i just gained a bunch of weight i gained like i was i don't know within i didn't even step on the scale but i noticed like my clothes were fitting differently and I was just like oh man so I just started wearing shorts and 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 sweats the whole time and just so gym shorts and <laughs> yeah sweats the whole time because I was a gym owner you know so it's like you know what I didn't need to wear like jeans or like slacks or anything like that so so I was just like you know going through this but keeping it to myself again you know but at the same time I was like struggling you know and so um and so I went to that and, and, uh, I stepped on the scale was 265 pounds, you know, and it was like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so I went to my trainer and my trainer was like, you need to, 
we need to do something drastic. And so he uh, did this whole thing about um, – And were you fighting middleweight? Sorry, just for people who have context. Middleweight or light heavyweight at the time? No, middleweight. So 185. So for the people who are listening who aren't big into the UFC, he was fighting at 185, yeah. and he had ballooned up to 265. Sorry, Mark, go ahead. Yeah. Just, just for so, context. Yeah, that's that's for context for sure. So I, I was – you know, really, really big. And so, um, so I started training with my trainer, Todd Norman, and he had, he had, um, a hashtag, this, this hashtag called obese to beast, you know? So, <laughs> um, so, so he took pictures of me, um, and then recorded, you know, some workouts along the way. And um, you can find all of this on YouTube and on my social media. Um, you can probably uh, look up Obese to Beast Mark Munoz and you'll probably find it there. And he took like before and after pictures of me. And and uh, yeah, so it it took a lot for me, you know, to to kind of like get back on track because I was down and out, man. I was like, dude, I'm struggling big time and, you know, I can't fight and, you know, I'm going you know, I'm watching everybody else and cornering everybody else and they're fighting and they're making money for their family. And I'm struggling here. I'm like, dang, this sucks, you know? And so it was just like an endless, endless pit, you know? And then finally my trainer was like, Hey, we need to go, you know? And so, uh, he got on top of me, uh, Todd Norman, uh, which is the name is he, he owns this company called cutting edge. Um, and he just helped me, man. He helped me and um, helped me along the way and was able to, like, get me back on track. And uh, I lost all that weight and um, ended up fighting Tim Boach and ended up having the performance of a lifetime against Tim Boach and then um, was back ranked in the in the top five after that fight. So, wow. So, yeah, it was just – it was uh, – yeah, I've – you know, they talk about, you know, ups and downs in your life or your career. And, you know, I truly believe it takes it takes the downs to really appreciate the ups. Right. So, like, you know, when I was down and out, I was just like, man, this this there's no worse feeling than this. Right. But then it takes work to get back on top. Right. To get to get yourself back to 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 the swing of things and you know when when you wallow in your sorrow there's nothing good that happens from that you know and so um i found myself wallowing in my sorrow and taking pity on myself and i was like you know what i didn't know i was doing that but i was doing it subconsciously and so um i had to fight through that and uh get back to form and yeah so i ended up being ranked in the top five after that fight so yeah it's crazy man the you weirdest know, life. The weirdest part of when you're in a pit like that is that even if it's for a half hour or if it's for a year, like when you're at the yeah. bottom of it, in the back of your mind, you think of some things that could help. Maybe I should meditate. Maybe I should work out. But you, it just seems like the furthest thing away from what you should do. And you, you're kind of like blinded from what the right action is. And sometimes it takes a friend or a coach like in your situation to get back on track. And so if you had to kind of distill what, what changes you made, was it that you started working out again, obviously, but then too, like, did you start to have a routine? Did your self-talk change? What do you think was a, 
what techniques or tactics did you use to, to get back that are, are universal and not specific to fighting? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you talk about self-talk. Self-talk is super important. I learned that when I was getting my master's in sports psychology and, and based upon your self-talk, you, you tell yourself what, which actually, what your, what your body, um, and your actions and behaviors actually do. So whatever you, whatever you tell yourself, your action and behaviors will follow. Right. And so when I was, um, when I couldn't fight, you know, it was just like, man, uh, there's nothing else that I can do rather than, you know, just coach. And, you know, now that I don't have to make weight, I'm just going to eat, you know? And so that's what I did. You know, I ate and ate and ate and I was like fat bastard, you know, I ate, cause <laughs> I, was fat, I ate, you know? So it was, that's, that's just what I did. And, um, thank goodness it took for my coach to kind of snap me back and say, Hey man, you're one of the best fighters in the world and you need to get back to form, you know? And so, um, you know, so it, it, it just proves to, to, to people that are listening that you become who you surround yourself around. Right. And so, um, I'm thankful that I have a community of people around me that, that strive to be the best that they can be every day. And they were able to pick me up when I'm down, you know? And so, um, so I was, I was, I'm thankful that I have that community around me. And so, you know, I, I would, I would say to whoever's listening that it's important for you to surround yourself around like-minded individuals that want to strive for success and not be given things because they're, they feel that they're, they're entitled to things. So, um, the people that work for things are the people that you want to surround yourself around, you know, humble, hardworking people. And so, um, I'm thankful that I, I was able to do that, you know? And so, um, I, I had that, you know? And so, um, so yeah, positive self-talk was one, two was, uh, getting back on a routine, like you said, um, because I wasn't training, I wasn't, um, sweating. I wasn't, you know, there wasn't an outlet of me to take out, um, any of the negative stuff that was in my body, you know? And so, um, and so I was just packing it on, you know? And so when I started training, that's when it, you know, started, uh, I started losing weight. I started feeling better about myself. Um, you know, people around me were like, um, asking me to train with them and, you know, I started training with them more. And so, and so I got back in the routine of training and then have a positive mind frame about, about training and getting back into it because, because, you know, my foot was broken for a long time. I couldn't. So, uh, so that's, that's another thing. And, um, yeah, I think those three things, you know, really brought me out of the pit. Right. So is my self-talk, right. That, that I can do it, that, that, um, I can get back into form, back into shape Two is having a community of people around you to be able to help you pull yourself out of that and creating a routine and sticking that to that routine so that you can get out of your funk. Absolutely. I love that, man. I mean, things that it's just always important to hear from someone who's who's been in the situation you've been in, where you've been at the lows, you've been at the highs, and, and you put it to practice. Um, yeah. Appreciate you sharing that, man. I know we yeah. we have uh, – we're, we're kind of winding down here, but we have some time left. But we jumped over, yeah. man. 
one of the the coolest chapters of your life. You you mentioned it earlier, but dude, you wrestled at Oklahoma State, one of the elite dynasties in any sport. Forget about wrestling. I mean, Oklahoma State wrestling up until Dan Gable yep. got there, and even after Dan Gable, um, yeah, had some incredible runs. And I know you coached yep. during that. Uh, when you were coaching, is that when the Cowboy Run restarted? Yes, yes. Okay. We won a national championship in 2003, and then there was a run after that. And so, um, yeah, we, uh, you know, if you talk about Oklahoma State wrestling, it's it's synonymous with collegiate wrestling because Oklahoma State wrestling is the premier program when it comes to the most national championships won in any sport. So. They won more team championships than any other team in any sport. Period. Um, <laughs> yeah, period. So, uh, so yeah. So, when you talk about um, tradition and and uh, you know Oklahoma State wrestling, it's just like it's the best <laughs> out there for sure. And you got there during an awesome time because yeah, I tried to distill an interview into events and people and you're talking about people you're around Jamil Kelly, Daniel Cormier, um, yep. Tyrone Lewis. I mean, all of these yeah. Mark Perry, Mark Branch, John Smith. Yeah. It's like yeah. Pat Smith. Yep. It's like, holy shit, you know? So I wanted yeah. to, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you yeah. about a couple of them. And then when you were coaching, I'm sure some of the guys who we know now are, were coming up like Esposito and Johnny Hendricks, yep. you know, they're probably, yep. Hanging around those parts. Mark Perry Jr. was probably hanging around those parts. So, man. Yep. yep. There's a wa- picture of me. There's a picture of me, me, Mark Perry, Mark Perry Jr., and um, and Chris Perry. You know, so they're like itty-bitty. They're like super small. And I'll dig it out somewhere. But, but yeah, Mark and Chris would come around all the time because Mark Sr. would bring them around. And they'd come to the wrestling room and watch us wrestle, and then we would wrestle with them. Um, I remember wrestling with Mark Jr., uh, wrestling around with him, and you know, just like little singling him, and just like scrambling with him. You know, um, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That's that seems like yesterday, but it was so long ago. <laughs> I just sent you that picture. Chris had sent it to me in the past because there's no pictures of his dad online. Right. So check out the text that I sent you. I think that's the one you're talking about. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Dude, it's yep. you, Jamil, DC no, with cake on his Jamil face. There. Yep. And then there's uh, Hardell. Yeah, that's Hardell. That's Hardell Moore. Oh, that's Hardell? Okay. That's Hardell. Yeah, that's gotcha. Hardell Moore. Yeah, yeah but... we just won the twelves right there. Man, I mean, and, and a lot of yeah. people know Mark Perry Jr., and he was my, I mean, he, when he went to Iowa, I was a freshman in high school. The fact that he went there and his uncle was John Smith and people on the podcast are sick to death of me hearing this story, but I just thought that was the most badass thing ever that he would do that and go to Iowa. Um, exactly. God, I, I, was I was shocked. Fucking... I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh. What? Is he going to be disowned? Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it. Do you think there was some <laughs> drama going on there for a while after that? Like people were really upset or was it more so just for show? I mean, I heard people were actually upset about it. No, there's people were like visually upset. I mean, you saw in them that they were super upset, you know. So, man, it was uh, it was crazy. 
Yeah, it was a crazy time that time, man. When Mark Perry decided to go to Iowa, it was yeah, it was crazy. And the fact nuts. that you know Johnny Hendricks, one of the elite wrestlers at that time, they battled out a couple times. And man, what a yeah! Wrestling has some incredible stories like that. You just can't, you just can't, um, yeah. you can't even make this shit yep. up. Like I was just doing a documentary on Gable where, you know, Tom yeah. Ryan went to Iowa. But he was a scholarship wrestler at Syracuse. But he leaves the scholarship, drives to Iowa like four in the morning. He's a walk-on. He earns a scholarship because he beats Pat Smith at the St. Louis Open. And then a That's year crazy. later, <laughs> Pat Smith beats him in the finals. But Iowa, yeah. you know, they rebound. They have one of the best teams ever. And Oklahoma State had won two in a row before that. And then like in 94, Oklahoma yeah. State wins. So it's like there's just so many storylines. Um <laughs> I know. Freaking it's awesome. Crazy. So I uh awesome. I'm a huge John Smith fan. I wanted to ask you, everyone knows yep. the accolades and you know, what are not even a, if he got a story, great, but like just something like the folks don't know about him. Like, is he like that competitive or like what's he like as a coach? I mean, just give us a little insight into to working with one of the all time greats. Yeah, so um John, John, Coach John, actually, uh, he gravitated to me a lot. I mean, he, I, I just wanted to, I just, I was just so happy to be on the team and to be under uh, John Smith because I, you know, we had to watch on on Betamax and VH, VHS tapes on, you know, Coach John, you know, uh, technique tapes or whatever, you know? So like, I was like, dude, this is, this is like the best wrestler in the world right now. And then I'm under, you know? So, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. And so when he came to my house to recruit me, I was like, coach, look, look at this tape. It was like, how low can you go? VHS tape, yep. you know, coach, when I got hurt, I just watched this the whole time. And I taught myself how to shoot a low single leg, you know? And so, <laughs> and so, uh, He's like, oh, really? You know, shoot, you're you're really good at the little single leg now. So he was just pumping me up about that. But I was, I was a guy that made a Greco World team, you know, that that I was more like an upper body guy, and then here I am shooting those single legs. You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's crazy. But but what's I, he like um, in the living room, man? Is he a, a personable guy? Yeah. Is he a hard nosed guy? What's oh, he like? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Because when he was at my house, it was just like. One, I was at, I was in awe. I was like, "Ooh, John Smith's in my house," you know. And I think I have a picture of that, and I'll show you um, the family picture. I can send you a picture of that. But um, yeah, when he was in my house, I was just like, "Oh, I couldn't believe it," you know. And so my parents were just asking him a bunch of questions, and and uh, yeah, he he just um, he had just said, you know, Mark doesn't need to worry about anything. We we got him and. He was just offering me a full ride scholarship, so I was just like, "Whoa, you know." Wow. So I was already, I was sold already. I was like, "I'm done. I'm sold," you know. And then he was like, "What do you want to get into academically?" I said, "Well, you know, I I, I want to be an engineer." You know, he goes, "We got one of the best engineering departments in in the whole state of Oklahoma," and uh, and then um, I was like, "I also have like, you know, medical, you know, aspirations." He goes, "Well." You know, we, we've got that as well. And so, um, and then he's, he said, you know, you're going to put yourself in a, um, in a place where there's going to be doctors working with you if you want to, if you want to be a doctor afterwards. And I was like, Oh, wow. So, 
if you're a part of the Oklahoma State program, then you're part of a community of people that are successful in a lot of things. And so you can have like letters of recommendations from them. So he was just selling me on that. Right. And then if you win a national championship, you know, you, you just, you know, you put yourself in a place where you're going to be very successful, you know, financially as well. You know, you can take care of your family and all that stuff. I was like, Ooh, okay. I'm sold (laughs) coach. I'm sold. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, cause I was getting recruited by Stanford and, you know, um, Columbia, a lot of the Ivy League schools I was getting recruited by too because I had, you know, I had pretty good grades, you know. And so um, my dad really wanted me to go to Stanford, you know. So and I had to really – and so after that trip, my my dad kind of um, kind of changed his tune a bit, you know, and said, okay, Oklahoma State looks like a good school. And I said, yep, it does. And so I signed the letter of intent and I was like, Yep, going to Oklahoma State. So, Coach John was very welcoming. And then um, when we got there, uh, when I got to Oklahoma State, I saw his competitiveness come through because, you know, outside of the wrestling room, he's he's very welcoming. He's he's a religious man. Um, goes to church every Sunday, um, and uh, he uh, is a person that's. Um, outside of wrestling if you didn't know him of, of of wrestling he'd just be a regular humble nice guy you know but inside the wrestling room i saw a different i saw a different um kind of uh, side to him uh he's very competitive <laughs> very competitive was very um uh technical um taught me a lot about like technique and intensity um, being able to like, uh, be, be, uh, resilient, you know, as well. I mean, he's just, man, it's crazy because when I was, when I was in there, I came down, here's a story. I got lots of stories, but let's here's say, a, story. hear a couple stories here. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a story. I saw, um, him, uh, Pat Smith training for the 1996 Olympic trials. Um, and him and John were down we're down in the dungeon. We had what's called the dungeon. It was down in the basement of, of, uh, Gallagher Iba arena where the wrestling room was. And, uh, and I, and I go down there cause you know, I'm getting ready to cut weight because coach wanted me to make 167 my freshman year. So I had to go downstairs and make weight, uh, or just, you know, cut weight a little bit. And, uh, I see him down there with Pat Smith and Mark Smith, and Pat Smith and Mark Smith are wrestling. And uh, I see John, Coach John, um, you know, coaching Mark Smith. And Pat's just, Pat's just like, just ragdolling him, right? And Coach is trying to, Coach is trying to coach Mark, you know, which is the youngest brother. And, uh, and then as he's trying to coach him, you know, Pat's like, pushing his face down into the mat, pushing him to the wall and like, you know, high crotching him and just launching him in the air and like letting him go and letting him drop on his own. You know, it was like, well, and then, and then, uh, coach John was trying to coach Mark. And then all of a sudden I see coach like in his, uh, squat, you know, put his right foot out. Then he starts tying his shoe. Then he put his left foot out, starts tying his shoe. And then, 
kind of um, wiggles out his arms, you know, waves out his arms, and then he goes, all right, Mark, you're out, I'm in. You know, and so he starts wrestling with Pat and was beating the brakes off of Pat, like high crotch, low single leg, duck under, fireman's carries. It was like, you name it, he was hitting it on him. It was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I'm like watching with my own eyes, you know, this. And I'm like, you know, and, and John's, John's, you know, he's been retired, you know, and so, um, and he's just coaching. I mean, it's not far off. He, and and he's, he's smaller too, he's right? And, and he's smaller. He's way smaller. He's like 20 pounds smaller than, um, than Pat. But he just put you know? the whipping on him, huh? Oh, uh, put the whooping on him. I mean, it was like, I was, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I'm, I'm actually flying a wall watching this. You know, it's like, it's crazy, dude. Um, that was one. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, that was one. And uh, there was another one where um, the World Cup was actually in Stillwater. And John was actually helping out the, the world team. And he ended up, you know, was wrestling Tom Brands. Just drilling with them. They started drilling first. And then all of a sudden, it would, turned out to be a wrestling match after that. And then John was just like, like high crotching them, low single legging them. It was just like, oh my gosh. Like, John's at a whole different level. It's unbelievable. You know, it was. It was and Tom Brains was like at the height of his career, ninety like that time. When did you get to Stillwater? Like ninety yeah. seven or, or before that? Ninety six. Okay, I graduated high school ninety six. Yeah, so summer of ninety six. So Tom Brands is at his absolute peak, and everyone's seen the video of John Smith yeah. teching Tom Brands at the ninety one U.S. Open. Um, but you'd think yeah. that shit yeah. by ninety six, Tommy Brands might be even in the score, but they start drilling and they start going, and it's just it's just a bloodbath, huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was it was amazing, you know. Um, it was so cool to watch. But I mean, Tom Tom would get a takedown on on John too. But I mean, John was just competing, competing. John wasn't like completely whooping on him. It mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't that. But it was like John was like competing with him and getting the better of him. It was just like whoa, this is crazy, you know. Oh my like, God! Yeah. I'm, and I'm a freshman. I'm a true freshman. You know, I'm like, this is crazy. This is nuts. I know? heard so, that uh, that you said you said you were cutting weight. I heard that Coach Smith does like guys to cut a lot of weight. Was that the case back then, or was he easing up on it back in those days? Heck no. I I was I won everything at 189 pounds. Won the nationals. You know. Uh, you know. I, I you know made a world team. You know. I was like, I was a bigger boy. But then he saw me, he goes, oh, yeah, you're going to wrestle 167. I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I was like, okay, whatever John Smith says, I'm going to do, you know? So yeah. I was cutting weight like crazy, like trying to get down 167 pounds. And, I, you know, I was doing okay, but, like, you know, I I just wasn't good. And, and for the first, like, two years, like my, my, my uh, red shirt, freshman and redshirt sophomore year like i was cutting so much weight even to make like 77 so i was cutting a lot of weight and i was you know i wrestled uh and then they changed the weight class 177 184 it made it made it a little bit better but like it was it was tough man it was really tough for me so i was like coach i need to go up he goes no we we need to 
we need to like uh, give you a nutritionist and you know have you like do more cardio and I go no coach you don't understand I, I wrestle better when I'm bigger and so <laughs> uh, this is a story for you so so after my sophomore year at at nationals I was ranked top six in the country um, I didn't all American uh, the second day where I had to make weight. Um, I was 11 pounds over to make weight that night, you know? And so, God. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, dude, I'm not going to make weight. Stayed up till like two in the morning, made weight. And I was just like trash the next day. Right. So anyways, on the podium, there's four guys that I beat on the podium my sophomore year. Right. So I was like, man, I cannot, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut. I'm just going to get bigger. And, and then John heard of that, and he called me in. He goes, hey, Munoz, um, we need you to wrestle 184. I said, Coach, can I wrestle 197? He goes, no, we got we got a guy coming in, a two-time JUCO national champion, Daniel Cormier. He's coming in. He's going to wrestle 197. I said, Coach, um, I, I, I want to wrestle 197. He goes, well, no, you need to wrestle 184. You need to do what's best for the team. I go, but, Coach, it's not going to be – for the best of the team if I wrestle 184, you know? Um, and he just didn't understand. And so finally I was like, okay, he didn't understand. So so then I, I started lifting. And um, Mark Perry, uh, senior, started lifting with me. He showed me some stuff and uh, gave me some supplements, you know, gave me some creatine, gave me some, um, you know, um, uh, what was it? It was some tribulus and some other stuff that like help, you know, keep the muscle on me. And so, uh, and so I lifted with him and I started getting bigger and I went home for three months and I lifted on my own. I came back because JJ McGrew was trying to make an Olympic team in 2000, in year 2000. And, uh, I come back and I'm wrestling JJ McGrew and, uh, coach Smith comes in watching us. And I, and uh, he he's like, like a minute later, he was like, Munoz? Munoz, is that you? Like, he didn't recognize me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what the hell? He goes, you on steroids, son? I go, no, coach, I'm not. I'm not on steroids. He goes, get on the scale, right? So I jump on the scale. I'm 235 pounds. Right? <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? We need you. We need you at 184 this year. I go, ah, I don't know, coach. I don't know if I can make that. And he goes, son, you don't show us. No, coach, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. And, I, and he goes, all right, well, you're just going to have to wrestle off for the spot. And so I wrestled off, and then you, then you had to go down. It's 184, and I wrestled on 97. And Dude, that had to be a hard cut for D.C. So, it was a very hard cut for him. I feel bad. I feel bad for him. But you um, end up winning it that year, right? Yeah, I won it that year, yeah. God! And I could just hear him saying that, and you know, he has a really strong Oklahoma accent. He's like, is that you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he goes, Munoz, is that you? I'm like, uh, yeah, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, God. Uh, but that changed his perspective on cutting weight, you know, like, um, it, uh, it totally changed him, you know? So I think that was kind of the beginning of, of him thinking, okay, maybe, 
you know, bumping up is a good thing, you know, because he had that old school mentality. If you cut more weight, you're going to be better at that weight because you're going to be bigger, you know? Why do you think but, that? Uh, it's just, I, so, I can't believe, I've heard but, other people say that too, that when you go there, you cut a lot. And I just don't get why someone would be such a big fan of it, even now to this day. It's like, we know it's not the answer. The Russians don't even cut that much weight. I know. You know? I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I just, you know, it changed his mentality now. I mean, he's, he's different about it now, but you know, when I was going through it, he, I cut a lot of weight. So, Man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. God, I but, love these but, stories. You know, yeah, but, but I, man, I, I love coach John. Oh yeah. I love him. I love him and his family. And, you know, he was just doing what he thought was right, you know, at the time for me. And then, um, did he welcome me with open arms, you know, and he still does, you know, he, he loves me and my family and, and, um, yeah, I just, I love and appreciate him too. So, um, yeah, I do, I do just buy anything for him. It's so, funny you say um, that I've, I've interviewed yeah. about 20 people about Dan Gable cause I just released a, a podcast documentary on him called Gable the goat. And people yeah. said that same thing. Like they literally would take a bullet for Gable, um, and I wonder yeah. if that's the same way. Like the people who wrestle for Oklahoma State, do they have that reverence for John Smith? Same way, like he's a father figure. You do anything for him? Yeah, man. I'm, I mean, my relationship with him, you know, and and I don't know about other people, but um, and I, I speak for myself, but I, I would definitely, I, I would, you know, he he welcomed me in with open arms, man. You know, so um, despite all the things that happened between us. As far as him wanting to cut me down, I mean, he felt like it was the, you know, and I can't fault him for that because, you know, in his experience, I guess he saw the benefits of it. But, it, you know, for me, I was like, it's not going to benefit me at all. And so, so, but, you know, he would bring me into his home, have, um, you know, just have family dinners with him and his family. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was awesome. Man. You know, I, when I look back in my college career, I I, uh, I look back and I smile because um, it was part of my upbringing in the sport. And and um, you notice that you know everyone that wrestles for Oklahoma State, they end up becoming a very very good coach because of what they learn there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean you can go up and down the times that Coach John coached um, coached. Uh, his wrestlers and you go up and down the line up and throughout the years and a lot of them have become coaches college coaches a lot yeah really, yeah. really have. it's crazy i mean yeah and, and not only yeah. that but also like um fight trainers too like dc no i know and his involved with aka you and, and what you're yeah. doing i mean it's uh it's no secret man uh the guy knows what yeah. he's doing i would He's the he's one of my all time top guests. I got to get on. I haven't had him on yet, but I've had I've, I've been doing a, a swarm tactic. I've had Mark, I've had Chris Perry on, Mark Perry Senior on, but um, yeah, he's just obviously a, an American hero, a wrestling hero, and the, one of the yeah. most well spoken people when it comes to wrestling. I I love listening to him do an interview. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's awesome. Well, I love it, Mark Munoz. It's been an honor to talk with you, sir. Um, I really enjoyed okay. it. You're welcome back on at any time, and hopefully once this trap 
everything goes away, I'll be out to California. We can meet up and uh, meet in person, man, and, and hopefully be friends here. Yeah, man. Let me know. You got my number, so hit me up. Absolutely, sir. Thank you for the time, man. I appreciate it. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.